Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you here today again, and we just pray for God's richest blessing to be upon every single one of us as we gather together in his name. I'd like us to read the word of the Lord again, can we, from the book of the prophet Habakkuk. And this time I want to read a passage that we read last week, but I just wanted to revisit this passage in terms of just laying the foundation for what I wanted to share with us all here today. Here it says in Habakkuk chapter 2, reading from verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Now as we just look at this passage of scripture, let's just go over something of what I've shared over the last two weeks. Now... We looked at chapter 1 whereby the prophet found himself wrestling with the complexities of God's will. How could God, who is holy and just, allow sin to go unpunished in the life of the nation? How could the one who is pure and holy seemingly sweep sin under the carpet? God then responds to the prophet and says, you've got to widen your vision. You're fixated around one issue, but there's a bigger plan. As indeed, there always is a bigger plan. No matter how we see our lives today, there is always more that God is doing. And God says, I have a bigger purpose. And you need to widen your vision. You need to consider the nations because I'm going to raise up one group to punish Israel. The Chaldeans are going to be a rod of chastisement against Israel itself. Now this then raised another question around how could God raise up one unholy nation to punish another? How could God use one rebellious group to act in terms of the outworking of God's will? And that was the dilemma that the prophet faced. Because God then brings this word The prophet then takes that place where he would, as it were, position himself as a soldier to wait upon the Lord and then as a scribe to write down what he would see. So the Lord then comes to the prophet in terms of providing an answer. The Lord answered me, write the vision Make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. So here we have the unfolding of how God would respond to the prophet's dilemma. And then we have this wonderful verse, which is in verse 4. The righteous shall live by faith. Now, one of the things that's interesting as you look 
at the New Testament is the way that it uses passages of Scripture out of the Old Testament. Either a direct quotation or to allude to something that's recorded in the Old Testament. But here we have a passage that is directly quoted in the New Testament. In the book of Romans, in the book of Galatians and in the book of Hebrews. So when we look at it in the context of how the New Testament uses it, therein gives us a clue as to what God wants to say to his people. Because in the book of Romans, the whole theme of justification by faith is at the heart of Paul's message. So when the writer here says, the just shall live by faith, Romans focuses on the just. Galatians focuses on shall live. The life of God. And then Hebrews focuses on by faith. So as we just look at this passage of scripture, how do we unwrap the mystery of what God is saying? He is saying simply that to understand the full perspective of God's will requires faith. Faith is transformative. Faith is a gift. Faith will come as something that empowers us to see things from God's perspective. Now, before we look more into the whole nature of true faith, let's look at something of what God said to the prophet. He told the prophet to do four things. He told him to write down the revelation, to make it clear in such a way that there's no ambiguity, that it's clear and it's precise. Now, God told Habakkuk four things about this vision. Number one, he talked about clarity. Make it clear. Write it down on tablets. So when we talk about God's vision, his purpose and his will in history... God is always precise. We may not always understand everything that he says. Some of what he says requires faithfulness in the sense that we may not fully understand everything that God is saying. But we need to have a place whereby we come and we receive what the Lord is saying. But the prophet was told to make it clear, to write it down. Why was that? Because as it is written, so it is established. And I think one of the most important things that God is calling us to do today is to be a people of clarity. There's so much around us that is very foggy, very unsure, very uncertain. But I believe that as we come to the Lord and as we allow him to speak to us, there has to be a sense of clarity. We need to pray that very often the fog and the mist, very often of our own confusion, evaporates and we come to the Lord with a real sense of purpose. Write it down. Make it plain so that he may run who reads it. Again, another word that would seem to be slightly unsure as to what the prophet is saying. But here we have the prophet receiving God's word and there was a message that God wanted to speak to the nation. But then the Lord will talk about punctuality. The vision awaits an appointed time. So the purposes of God have to be understood within the context of God's timing. Now, 
In terms of understanding God's timing, very often we have to wait, don't we? God's timing is different to ours. Peter says that with God, a day is unto a thousand years, and a thousand years is unto a day. So how God views time is completely different to how we view it. We get impatient. We want everything to happen now. We want God to move at our behest. But actually, when we understand God's timing, then that helps us understand that actually it is the Lord himself who is going to work his purposes through. So this vision that the Lord spoke of to the prophet had a specific time scale to it. But as we understand the time scale, the punctuality of God's outworked will. So there is a timing for every single one of us, isn't there? And we have to pray. We have to persevere. We have to be a people who are rooted and grounded in a confidence and a belief that the Lord is with us. The Lord also said that with this vision comes credibility. The vision will not lie. So if God has given you a vision, and you know it's from him, and you've waited on the Lord for that, then it has credibility. You can be confident. If the Lord has spoken, then whatever God says he will do, he will do. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. Not yes or no. God is not double-minded. He is single-minded. And the single-minded purpose of God is seen and revealed in and through the person of Jesus Christ. So there's credibility in terms of what God is saying to us. And we need to trust. We need to trust in the Lord. Because it's God himself who is the one who is faithful. Yes, what he says can become a foundation upon which we build our lives, as indeed faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, but actually it's faith in God, not faith in faith. We're not trusting in our own ability to manufacture some kind of belief system. Actually, our confidence is in the Lord. And then fourthly, tenacity. What is tenacity? Well, it's the capacity to persevere under trial. It is the ability to keep going when all hell is breaking loose against you. It is the power to endure against all hostility, confusion and doubt. And that's what the Lord said to the prophet. Even though the vision seems to tarry, it will come to pass. And you've got to wait on the Lord. Because it's all about the bigger picture, the widening of vision. It's all about seeing things from God's perspective. The just shall live by faith. That was the answer that God gave the prophet. Now you could argue, well that doesn't really explain a lot of things. But then again, God does not have an obligation towards us to explain every detail, does he? Because if he did, we wouldn't need to live by faith. Faith means that we trust God even though we don't understand everything that God is saying. But we have this assurance that the Lord is working his purposes through, that he will perfect that which concerns us, and that in the end, God's will will prevail. So there's clarity with this vision. 
There's punctuality, there's credibility, and there's tenacity. And all of these things make up the core values of what it means to have a vision. Now, very often, we feel that God has given us a vision. Maybe as a company, the Lord can give us a vision. But all of these four things are wrapped up in how we are to progress. So there is the timing of the Lord. There is the bedrock of faith. There is the sense of assurance. But at the heart of all of that is the confident assurance that we have that the Lord who has spoken will bring to pass what he has said. Do you believe that this morning? We may not understand the full nature of this, as indeed I'm sure the prophet himself wouldn't have known that Paul would have picked up on this passage in verse 4. Or even the writer to the Hebrews in his letter would have used this passage. But God was speaking to his people that actually it is faith that makes sense of the purposes of God. Not always immediately. But the clarity of God's word, its timing and its credibility and the call for us to be tenacious is all about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's move on and let's talk very briefly about this whole theme of faith. So the prophet was told that the righteous shall live by his faith. It's a quite of a complex sort of verse as you just read it because only the latter part of the verse is used in the New Testament. It seems to be slightly out of context as it were. But very often that's how it works and you find this on numerous occasions as you look at how the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament. Often what is quoted as you look back at the original context seems to be out of context. But God is not faced with that. God can take his word And he applies it specifically in a way that we need to understand. So we talk about faith. I've made mention of a few things here concerning the nature of faith. Faith is the anchor for the soul. Hebrews talks about this in chapter 6. That keeps us safe from destruction. It's an anchor. You see, when the prophet was struggling with the mystery of why all this was going on, God says, you've got to trust me. That's why even today we need to trust the Lord. We may not understand everything that's going on or even like what's going on. But at the heart of what we are called to do is to be a people who walk by faith. Because faith, secondly, is a true foundation upon which our lives are built. When we talk about the testing of faith, which is never pleasant, James and Peter both come with a clear message that actually the testing of our faith produces character. It produces righteousness. That we are to consider it pure joy when our faith is tested. Now that's the last thing that we feel. That's the last thing that we want is to find our faith being tested. But the Lord wants to develop faith in all of our hearts. And we must understand that we are to build upon the rock Christ Jesus. When the prophet was struggling with making sense of history and what God was doing in the nation, God reminded him, it's all about walking by faith. 
But faith has a confidence where it confirms and it declares what it believes. And we need to be a people who are confident to stand up for what we believe. And to declare it. And to confess it. You see, true faith is also the lens through which we see the unfolding of the purposes of God. How do you see the world around you at the moment? How do you reflect upon your own life and the inner issues that we all face? Well, faith then becomes the lens through which we must look in order to see God's focus, in order to see things from God's perspective. So this phrase, the just shall live by faith, is basically how God sees things. Yeah, God was going to punish the Babylonians for punishing Israel, which was another dilemma that the prophet wrestled with. But at the end of the day, when we talk about discipleship, discipleship is not a call to action where we must make sense of everything. We're not those who say, God, instruct me about your ways and then I'll make a decision to follow you. Tell me about everything that I need to know and then I'll make a choice as to whether I'm going to serve you. Jesus says, you follow me and then everything fits into place. Understanding and insight come as a direct result of obedience to God's word. If we obey the Lord, then he has a habit of speaking to us and revealing things that before remained concealed. We can never wait to think, well, God... I'll only follow you once I've made sense of your will. Jesus said to those disciples, follow me. And they left their nets and followed Jesus. Jesus also said, if anyone is to come after him, they are to deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow him. That's the call of a disciple. That's the renewed sense of priority that all of us must see. Especially in the day and age in which we live. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Because fourthly, true faith is the harness that guides us and steers our lives. It's like the bridle that's put upon the horse's head and the bit goes through its mouth. And as the bridle is put upon the horse, so the rider can steer the direction of the animal. And that's how faith is. It's what guides us and helps us. It is the Lord himself. Our confidence and our trust in him. What is it that guides you today? Who is it that guides you? What is it that influences your decisions? What is it that steers and leads you? Well, it is God himself. And it's faith that makes the connection between us and him. I've nearly come to a conclusion here today. But fifthly, true faith is the goal towards we must aim. What does that mean? It means that we not only live by faith, but actually faith is what defines us. The just shall live by faith. So faith is not some kind of spiritual commodity that we can use as and when we have a problem to get what we need on earth from God's eternal resource in heaven. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So faith is not something that we simply use when we're praying or going to church or believing God for an answer. It's a lifestyle, isn't it? 
We are to call to be those who live by faith on a daily basis. Every day, every waking moment, every sleeping hour, we are to do it in a spirit of faith. Confidence and trust in God himself. So I just wanted to share these thoughts with you here today. And I just want us to pray. Can we just quietly bow our heads as we draw things to a conclusion here this morning? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word into our hearts. We pray, Lord, that you might speak afresh. Lord, speak vision. Speak life. Speak faith, Lord. May you do something amazing in our days, Lord. That even if we were told, we would never believe. Because it takes a higher level of thinking to comprehend your will. So, Father God, we thank you and we praise you and we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.